Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on episode 61, we discuss ESPN Plus and what soccer uh, rights we want to see on that uh, streaming service, as well as our analysis of the Premier League selling the UK TV rights for $6 billion, our thoughts on Fox's Champions League coverage, and great news for fans of English soccer in the United States, plus much, much more. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer. I'm joined today by Kartik Krishnaya. Now, Kartik, um, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but I just do want to mention uh, to you and, and to the listeners, uh, you, you've grown up uh, and continue to live in Coral Springs, Florida, um, just, I think, a couple of miles away from the, the tragedy that happened on Wednesday. Um, what, what, what's it like down there? Yeah, it's uh, it's a surreal feeling. Uh, actually, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School was open while I was in high school, and about half my friends, or more than half my friends, ended up going there after being with me at the high school I graduated from, Terravella High, uh, the first two years, uh, freshman and sophomore years. They ended up going there as juniors and seniors. Uh, my, I was close to where the boundary line was drawn, uh, so I very easily, if I had been a couple blocks over, would have been uh, a graduate of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Uh, it's right on the line between Coral Springs and Parkland. And at the time, there weren't many residents in Parkland. So it was primarily a Coral Springs school, even though it was over the Parkland city limits. Uh, now, uh, we have a couple, we have another high school here, Coral Glades. So we have, it's more Parkland kids and Coral Springs kids, but probably an eek, probably 40% Coral Springs, 60% Parkland, just a surreal feeling, just, um, I don't know. It'll take a couple of days to process what's happened. As I tweeted uh, earlier, I, the movie theater I go to, and I go to the movies fairly often, is right around the corner from Douglas High. There are always kids from the school in there. Uh, I, I, there's a very good chance I've, I've watched a movie in the last 12 months uh, in a theater with uh, someone who, was, uh, who may have been killed in this tragedy or, or injured, or, and obviously people who were affected deeply by it. So, um, it's uh, it's a, a difficult time down here. Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm about 40 minutes north of uh, Eukartik from um, the high school, and you're just I mean, within a couple of miles of, of the place. So, yeah, our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone affected uh, by this tragedy. All right, Kartik, so let's uh, talk about uh, soccer from this past week of what we've been watching. Uh, you and I headed up to Orlando on Friday. We left, at, I think, about 8.30 in the morning, 
didn't get home till probably about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, probably actually for you a little bit later, even 11.30 that night. We had a full day of meetings with insiders. Uh, so on Friday, we didn't get a chance to watch, to watch much soccer. Um, I mean, it was a crazy day. Uh, in hindsight, uh, I, I'm still, I have no regrets in terms of endorsing uh, Carl Martino and Eric Winalda for the USSF presidency. I still believe that um, they would have made uh, good candidates. I was hoping that they would form a co coalition. It looked like it was going to happen. It didn't happen and uh, wasn't meant to be, but uh, definitely uh, going to give uh, Carlos Cordero kind of a, a, a clean slate and let's see what he can do. Hopefully he can make some uh, big changes. But in terms of soccer then, we didn't get a chance to watch hardly anything. For me, Kartik, it was interesting on Friday. We did watch maybe about, say, 10 to 15 minutes of the Juventus-Fiorentina uh, game from Serie A. And this was in the, the, the hotel bar um, where the USSF election was. On Friday, to set the scene, everyone was, uh, I mean, all the political, all the, all the candidates, all the USSF candidates and their, uh, their people were canvassing, meeting with people, private meetings. You had Gulati, Garber, everyone just talk, talking one-on-ones uh, with a lot of people. And in that bar, in that setting, uh, there was probably about 30 people watching this game. Uh, you and I watched it for a little bit. The one person who uh, was there that had her back turned to the game and was having a conversation with somebody else was, was Kathy Carter. I, th I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, but, but again, she's focused on the election. Uh, she's not focused on, on the Serie A game. But that, that was my Friday a viewing uh, experience, and then Saturday for me, I think one of my ch one of my kids had a soccer game, so it was uh, very little watching on sat Saturday too. But how about you? How, how was your uh, Friday and Saturday uh, soccer watching? I didn't watch anything. I was uh, look. I have a new respect for reporters that actually try and cover stories and break news related to football because I have not found any time to really watch football in the last two and a half, three weeks. Uh, and people who listen to this podcast probably realize that I had the television on. Uh, at times on Saturday, it didn't mean I, I, I processed anything. I was on the phone. I was texting. I was in the middle of of, of this election. Same thing Sunday. So, uh, and same thing the previous week. Same thing during uh, um, during uh, midweek games. The, the the week before that, right? The, the uh, uh, and the transfer deadline also. Uh, affecting that so uh but again th those that set of midweek games was affected by okay trying to find out transfer stories it's pretty remarkable though that you have some journalists and i'd single out in, in in the united states a guy like jeff carlisle that are able to do both that are able to actually tactically analyze a match process what goes on and break stories uh it seems like you have to do one or the other at least from my experience these last few months really covering this race and uh, so I, I didn't watch a whole lot of football Saturday during the day or Sunday during the day. I did get to watch the two Liga and Mackey's matches on Univision on Saturday night simply because I had shut my phone off. <laughs> the Tigres uh, America game, which was a really good match, really uh, competitive match. And then uh, Chivas and, and Santos Laguna, uh, the, the second half of that doubleheader, which I, I did not enjoy as much. But I did get to watch those two matches and, and, and process what went on. Uh, Huddersfield Bournemouth, I guess, was the one Premier League game I got to watch pretty closely during this weekend of, of Orlando and USSF Madness, or not Madness, but um, election, because that was an early morning game on Sunday. I was up. Uh, I, uh, I was able to, to take that in and, and, and enjoy it and then get back to, to working on, on the stories. Uh, that, that game was uh, very, uh, very interesting. 
from just the standpoint of uh, seeing Huddersfield, who I've remarked several times before, Chris, when they're up against it and they need a result. Uh, David Wagner seems to find a way to get results. They're now on 27 points. They're back out of the drop zone with that result. Uh, they still just don't seem to have the quality to stay in the, in the division. But at 27 points, if they can get 10 more points, they have a, they're, they're in with a shout to uh, – stay up with 11 uh, match days left. They get about a point a match, and, and that's the same situation, obviously, uh, your, your, your club, Swansea City's in. Yeah, um, and, and and that was one game. The only game I watched on Saturday was the Swansea against Burnley game. I watched it on uh, NBC Sports Gold. Uh, came back later that afternoon and, and watched it. That's the great thing about NBC Sports Gold. You, know, you don't have to worry about DVRs or anything like that. It's uh, yeah. available on replay pretty quickly. And, and what an incredible turnaround under Carlos uh, Carvajal. Um, according to the Portuguese manager, post-match, he says the Swans have now gone from the bottom of the ocean to above water. And we're breathing, breathing in the sea air for the first time. And he sees the coast on the horizon. So, again, more and more beautiful analogies from uh, Carvajal and um, really what a difference on the pitch. And it is making the relegation battle really captivating. I think this is going to be uh, from here all the way through to the end of the season. West Brom, at some point, has to pick up points, you would think. But uh, it is entertaining and actually a little bit uh, encouraging for me to to see Swansea at last playing some good football. Um, Sunday, I did watch uh, Southampton-Liverpool. I saw bits and pieces of that. And then um, anything else on Sunday before we move into Monday, Kartik? That I saw? No, I mean, I had the, the Liverpool match on and I had the uh, the uh, Manchester United match on. And that, that was, uh, I wish I'd been able to process this that better. I um, I always like it when Rafa is able to beat Mourinho just because Mourinho has been through the, through the years so abusive towards Rafa going back well over a decade, uh, but wasn't able to really take that in. So, yeah, then, then we're, on, we're on to Monday. And I didn't see the match Monday either. Yeah, I saw the Chelsea-West Brom game uh, on Monday, and that was interesting for me, at least, because I missed most of the NBC coverage over the weekend. NBCSN using a different studio for the Premier League coverage, uh, kicked out of the main studio due to the Winter Olympics. Um, we'll get into the TV ratings in a little bit on this one, but uh, uh, this match, for me, I've just felt sorry for Olivier Giroud, who got absolutely clattered in uh, two separate serious injuries in this one. A head injury, and I think it was Achilles or, uh, or a calf injury uh it looked, it looked like he was coming out, out of a battle but uh, persevered carried on and was subbed off uh, a little bit later now champions league kartik um on tuesday the champions league returned uh after a two-month break on fox sports um nothing much to say about the the pre-match pre-game uh wednesday was a different story though i, I don't know if you saw this but i mean really it's just a I guess they were trying to be corny, trying to be cute. Uh, Fox had this montage with uh, Neymar and Ronaldo and uh, playing off the uh, the Valentine's Day and had, uh, they had, I think, Perfect Strangers music playing in the background. Really just kind of just, I guess they were trying to be funny. I, I didn't think it was funny. I, th- I just thought it was kind of stupid. Uh, but there you go. Yeah. But Tuesday, uh-huh. but Tuesday, though, did you did you catch the Juventus uh, Spurs game with uh, John Strong and uh, Stu Holden? The comment. I caught I caught a little bit of it. I caught. Um, I was trying to watch Basel Man City. Look, I, I, I Champions League, particularly on Fox, isn't isn't necessarily my thing. Um, but I was flipping back and forth and and, and got um, a pretty good feel for what went on in the studio more than anything. Right. So, so for those listeners who may have missed it, or or even if you did catch it, one of the most um, 
annoying things about Tuesday's coverage of the Juventus Spurs game is that uh, there was the incident early in the game. Uh, there was a penalty incident, and both John Strong and Stu Holden calling the game off a monitor in Los Angeles uh, didn't know whether it was a penalty or not. They saw the foul. Uh, I think uh, John Strong muttered something along the lines of. That, that, that looks like a penalty or sh that should be a penalty. Uh, and then they had to wait. They, we had to wait over 35 seconds to find out whether or not the referee had called a penalty. And we talked about this in last week's episode too, where, especially with VAR, with VAR, you're really relying on the TV producer um, that's based in Europe to show you the images of what's happening. Because if you don't see those images, if you don't see the referee in the instance of a penalty um, incident pointing to the spot, and you don't see kind of um, some footage showing, you mean, the players lining up for the penalty, as a, as a TV commentator and as a viewer, you don't know if it's a penalty or not. And th this, to me, is a perfect example of why Fox needs to either A, Make sure that their uh, talent is in the in the uh, in the stadium itself, calling the games from the stadium, or use the world feed. And with the world feeds, uh, chances are those commentators are actually at the stadium, and that makes a huge difference. Uh, one of our listeners, Rob, yeah. left this comment on WorldSoccerTalk.com. This is quite possibly the biggest tournament in world football, when we have Fox's own commentators somewhere in a studio. They had no idea that a penalty had been given until it was about to be taken. They are also uh, they're also giving us endless, meaningless stats in, instead of commentating on the game. Very poor. Killing the flow and the atmosphere of the game. Now, in this match, uh, both of those goals from Juventus were scored pretty early. Uh, the first goal from Higuain, beautiful goal. I think at that point, I think uh, John Strong was taken aback, was surprised. I think he was talking about I don't know, stats or just analysis or talking about the game. And then all of a sudden, oh, psh, there you go, there, there's a goal. So that was annoying. Wednesday, I thought they did better in terms of the commentating. And I tried to listen in to Stuart Holden a little bit more to, in terms of, of his analysis and what he was saying. And he does a good job. And I think the two of them together are, are probably a strong partnership, probably the best partnership with John Strong. But they need to be at the stadium. And that, that's, that's the big thing uh, for me there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think that that was the the flow also of the Della Camera Miola team. I thought they did okay. They're presumably, uh, that was for the Basel Man City game, by the way. I, I think that, which the match that I watched more closely until about the 70th minute, they um, they were in a, 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 a match that was very one-sided and, and they had a lot of time to comment and, and wax lyrically about uh, Manchester City. But again, uh, had something controversial happened in that match, they were uh, calling the game off monitors and you could tell there's a, there's a sound issue which prevents kind of the, the feel and atmosphere of the match. First of all, I don't think the production on Champions League matches by UEFA uh, is at quite as good as we have on domestic league, Premier League matches, right, in England. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so the microphones aren't necessarily in the same places. They're just the production quality, the crispness of the broadcast, uh, the pictures you're getting, the, 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 the feel of the, uh, of the ground and the, and the crowd, the energy of the crowd. You don't get that to begin with. Then you get Fox, which tends to silence even what you get of that. And then they have, um, they have uh, commentators who are not on site, which creates another kind of sound challenge. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 this is why it's difficult to watch Champions League. People say, well, how can you, how can you uh, watch the domestic league and take that more seriously than Champions League? I, I, one thing is the television production. 
production and it being on Fox versus NBC. Uh, but it's not just Fox's fault. It's also the UEFA production versus the Premier League production. And uh, the second second point being, I think, historically, even though Manchester City now is one of the favorites to win this competition, as a Manchester City supporter, I haven't, I haven't had a whole lot of uh, – um, interest in, in European competition, to be honest with you. You know, it's, it's something that other other clubs are successful at, and, and you watch that kind of as a, as a passive observer, uh, but it doesn't have uh, doesn't have the relegation fight, doesn't have the, the quite the week-in, week-out drama. It's almost like, to me, a lot like international football. I know that might be unfair, but um, I, I don't enjoy it as much as I like domestic football. And that's not just uh, where City plays in, in uh, the Premier League. I enjoy Bundesliga. I enjoy La Liga. I, I enjoy the domestic leagues more than I enjoy European competition. I know that makes me unusual, but that's that's where I am. Yeah, I enjoy it. I, I it's uh, I, I prefer domestic football, whether it's from Spain or Italy or England, of course, and other countries, Mexico, etc. But I do enjoy the Champions League. But I must say that. Um, Based on the coverage, I mean, for me, I, I, ha I have to watch the pre-match coverage as part of part of my analysis and experience. I would rather not. It's it's really very little value. It's you I mean, it, there's hardly anything that you learn from that in terms of any new information. Grant Wall had his um, his pieces this week, kind of his, his news report pieces, and they've now really gone into more transfer rumors. I mean, it's just. Uh, we're hearing that Harry Kane is, is interested. <laughs> right, exactly. That 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 gets eyeballs and it gets interesting. Get people talking. Um, but for me, it's just it's it's like tabloid rumors. This really has really no value or relevance. Think about this: the transfer window closed two weeks ago, and we're already. It's not just Grant Wall. That's a single him out and single Fox out. It, it, that's what we're getting. Half the articles in English papers are about summer transfer dealings. It, it's Neymar. Yeah, it's right. too much. Yeah, it's it's almost as if that now trumps. Um, and look, I mean, I'll be honest, this this is part of the video game mentality between FIFA and football manager. I think uh, the, 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 the consoles themselves, the, the gameplay themselves now have have kind of shifted towards emphasizing uh, transfer windows and transfer dealings, which uh, is not unlike for American sports fans, college football, which has shifted from um, the actual 12 games a season to recruiting and recruiting rumors and, uh, and, and most of the year being taken up by that. So uh, and, and it's National Signing Day, which was uh, recently it, it's uh I, I don't know. It's something I don't personally like, but I can't fault Grant Wall because it's uh, it's the business now. Yep, exactly. Uh, one more thing about the Champions League coverage. So I, I did watch the other games. I watched the Man City game, uh, the Porto-Liverpool game. Uh, what, what blowouts. But uh, I will say that uh, I think we, we now know what the, the pairings are going to be for the World Cup. You're going to have Stuart Holden, John Strong together, and then JP Della uh, Camera and Tony Miola. So it looks like they're just giving them some match practice, both of them working together as, as their own teams. And you'll see JP and Tony, I'm sure, going off into, I mean, around Russia or, or in the studio in Los Angeles. And uh, John Strong and Stu Holden calling the big games from Russia. So it's so some good experience for us and definitely an indication of what Fox will be doing for this World Cup. Yeah, and then in the studio, I felt like uh, Lawless was was better this week. He wasn't quite at ESPN Lawless level. It, maybe it's a byproduct. Well, look, we had him on the show a couple months ago. I, I didn't want to ask him the question because it seems very, very um, opinionated and, and perhaps 
a border borderline rude, but uh, he, he, he the the difference between Lawless on Fox and Lawless on ESPN is is pronounced to the point where I don't know that he regains that ESPN level that he had prior to moving to Fox in 2014. Now uh, this week was pretty good for him. Tuesday yeah. uh, he was very good in the studio. He was analyzing the matches. He was analyzing uh, the, 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 the 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 tactics, uh, but uh, his sidekick Warren Barton didn't provide anything. Nothing. Yeah. Zilch. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know why they keep him around. It's been uh, almost a decade with him on that network. There must be some reason we're not aware of. Well, I think it's all about England. So, and if England's in the World Cup, which they are, then then you've got Warren Barton's got a, a guaranteed job analyzing that. The other thing, the two, but the Foxes Champions League coverage is that um, they must be so happy right now, Kartik, because in previous seasons we've had, I mean, AS Monaco, we've had other teams, uh, Atleti, which are both great footballing squads, but don't have a large fan base. And now all of a sudden you've got looking like uh, Man City and Liverpool into the quarterfinals. Uh, Spurs with a good chance in the second leg. And, of course, we've got Chelsea and Man United to come. So it's in terms of TV ratings, which Fox has been losing out on for the last few seasons with uh, with the poor uh, play by English teams, is that they're really looking at this thinking, OK, great, we're going to have a, a ratings bonanza. Can you imagine if Spurs go, keep going in this tournament? Uh, because uh, I, I think we've talked about it before on the show, and certainly if we haven't on the show, we've talked about it uh, personally to a lot of people who listen to this show, that uh, that Spurs, there is an, there is an un parallel passion among their supporters base in the United States because they haven't achieved the levels of success or, or trophies that the other big English clubs have. And they've grown their fan base. And uh, a couple uh, weeks ago, uh, on a different project I'm working on, someone in the UK asked me about um, about what clubs are capturing the imagination in the United States. And it wasn't Chelsea or Man United. The first club that came to mind was Spurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, they've grown their fan base tremendously in this country, and it's a fan base hungry for success. If they close out the second leg against Juventus, look out. I think you could have a bit of a ratings bonanza, relatively speaking, for Fox the further they go in this competition. Yeah, which which actually uh, looking at Arsenal, Arsenal is one of those clubs that really has a, an untapped uh, loyalty, brand loyalty in the United States with tons of fans. And here you go with Arsenal in the Champions League and then Spurs coming in and, and uh, possibly going pretty deep. So that's definitely going to give them a, an advantage. That, and I'm sure Spurs will capitalize on it and I mean, come out here again for more friendlies while Arsenal kind of does the, the one friendly in New York or a one MLS All-Star game and, and then nothing. And, and then they'll play in Asia or Africa. And by the way, I have to uh, mention that I've learned Daniel Levy, uh, Spurs owner or the primary face on the Spurs ownership group, uh, spends much of his time here in Fort Lauderdale around the corner from you and me. Uh, has a home here and he's here often. He's not just here during uh, the summer. He's here often. We have a new sponsor of the World Soccer Talk podcast that I'm excited to share with you. And that's a company called Away Days which is a small and independent clothing brand based out of Boston. Away Days creates unique, beautifully designed soccer t-shirts. One of their most intriguing products is called Mystery Kits. For $25, you pick your jersey size and you receive a mystery shirt. All of these are 100% official club jerseys from all over the world. It could be a few years old but they are new and authentic. Away Days only features unique teams from around the world, different countries. For example, if you were an Arsenal supporter, 
you wouldn't want a Spurs jersey, but you probably wouldn't mind a Swedish club's jersey. Some customers have used this to start following teams they've never heard of, and it helps them learn about how the game is, is played in other, other smaller countries and leagues around the world. It's a cheap way to get some jerseys, and it's a, it's a way to get jerseys of teams you wouldn't normally be able to get from big websites or stores. And for World Soccer Talk podcast listeners, you get a 15% special discount on the entire store. Just go to awaydaysfootball.com and then enter promo code WORLDSOCCER at checkout. Again, that's awaydaysfootball.com. Check them out. Okay, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news and uh, let's have you kick it off. Yeah, so the Premier League UK TV deals have been uh, have been settled. Sky and BT retain five of the seven packages that have been determined. Uh, again, this will now mean what is it now, Chris? Uh, when this deal is over, because this will be for the next three years, running through the 2021-22 season, that means that uh, there will be no. This will be 30 years without top-flight English football being shown live on terrestrial television, free-to-air television, uh, which uh, obviously the BBC uh, Match of the Day program continues, but uh, 30 years without being on on free-to-air, which is remarkable in in the context of of the history of of both television and um, English football. The rights deals packages at this point appear to be similar to the previous three years. Now, remember the previous three years, the current contract we're operating under now is what led to a boom in TV money that allowed the likes of Bournemouth to earn more money from television, domestic television, than uh, than Bayern Munich allowed Leicester uh, when they were in the Champions League, the year they went to the quarterfinals of the Champions League to earn more television money that season than the champions, Real Madrid, the champions of Europe. So uh, in year two of that three-year deal currently the following three-year uh, deal will be at generally the same financial level so there'll be no uh, uh, sh- shortfall of cash but the the constant increase in rights fees we've seen through the years is uh, is no more uh, once you hit to hit a certain point in spending and and given the mediums uh, the change in, in uh, the way people consume matches maybe we've hit a, a point of diminishing returns. Yeah, some of the headlines that came out, um, I think, um, uh, who was it? It was one of the reporters from the AP was kind of mentioning that uh, the bubble has burst. Um, to me, it's, I mean, $6 billion is the, the amount of the, the UK deal. And we're still waiting to find out what the final two packages, uh, how much they, they will go for. Um, and it's looked, it seems to be that uh, Amazon will be part of that, or at least uh, is going to be one of the active bidders in that process for the two final packages. Now, altogether, once you have those two final packages added together, it's probably going to be greater than the amount that uh, I think it was like 4.6 billion from the last deal, 4.6 billion pounds. So uh, when all is said and done, it's, it's, uh, I don't think the bubble's bursting. I think it's one of those things that, yes, it's not a giant leap forward. Uh, if anything, it's probably more of a realistic um, uh, kind of number that we're at. This is kind of this is where we're at with with that, and also with uh, BT Sports and uh, Sky Sports, kind of working together in some in some ways, having some agreements. I'm sure they colluded a little bit in terms of making sure that uh, one of them didn't go crazy with some uh, I mean, huge bids that would have uh, created a, a price war. So I think uh, 
economically, financially speaking, I think it's it's a sound move from uh, both of those parties. And I think it's one of those things too. I mean, for the UK, they get um, more t- uh, games televised under this deal, and also it will create a an additional game on Saturdays. So Saturdays, beginning in the 2019 season, we'll have a late kickoff. We'll have a 2:30 uh, Eastern time. A game, or was it 2.45, but uh, a game on Saturdays, another one for us to televise around the world. So when all is said and done, this is a good deal for the Premier League. Now, Kartik, in other news, uh, speaking of some uh, good deals, ESPN, um, more details have been released this week uh, from Bloomberg about the ESPN Plus service. Now, we've been reporting about this for the last two or three weeks, about uh, what we've learned and what we knew about it. Um, the, the Bloomberg story goes into that detail, um, has some, some, some additional details, but really it's going to be $5 a month, uh, $60 uh, annually. The big thing though with this Kartik is that uh, previously with MLS Live, um, I mean, customers would have to pay anywhere from like $45 to $75 for a, a subscription package, depending on, on the deal that they got. But, but with that though, for, for the most part, in most cities, they would still have the home games. But with the ESPN Plus service, um, for the most part, they're not going to get these uh, home matches for their local teams. Those are going to be blacked out. So, for example, if you live in Los Angeles and you want to watch your local LAFC games and you subscribe to ESPN Plus for $5 a month and you get all the MLS games, you would not get LAFC games. Then you have to subscribe to YouTube TV on top of that, which is another what, $30 to $35 on top of that. So um, some good news and bad news. I mean, the good news is it's going to be cheaper than MLS Live. The bad news is is some of those local blackouts are going to be a pain in the butt. What do you think, Kartik? Any any, uh, additional thoughts on the ESPN Plus? Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, glad that they folded MLS Live into this. It's going to be cheaper for fans. I I do have to say, though, uh, there are some some quirks, some features of MLS Live that people might like that – Quirks is the wrong word, but some some nuances of MLS Live that that will probably go away. But there'll be other soccer uh, streaming content on there. The championship, uh, the football league. I think a lot of uh, early round action of of, of uh, the EFL Cup next year, the the League Cup, as well as my understanding. Again, this is according to sources. Nothing's been reported. Is that uh, United Soccer League, uh, USL, the second division in the United States, will have. A large amount of content on this package, which uh, may not be uh, as satisfactory to fans of USL as it is to fans of MLS, because USL fans have now grown accustomed to getting uh, their, uh, their 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 product for free via YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have to wait and see when we get more details. I mean, this won't be launching. ESPN Plus is supposed to be launching uh, in the spring. From our sources, uh, they say late April uh, to early May. And uh, with the MLS season starting in March 3rd, what MLS will do is uh, show those games that would normally be on MLS Live for the first couple of months of the season on, for free on MLSsoccer.com. Now, that's good news, except for... Well, actually, it's, it's good news. It's good news. It's, it's going to hurt uh, TV numbers on a, on a local basis where people will be able to log on to the website and watch those games live rather than watching it on their local television station. But... It is what it is. It's kind of a stopgap measure before the season kicks off uh, in early March. Now, Kartik, uh, more news uh, in regards to soccer in the United States? 
Yeah, so the League Cup final as expected, but they kind of drew this out longer than uh, a lot of us were comfortable with. As expected, will be sh- uh, shown live uh, on ESPN, on, on the main ESPN network between Arsenal and Manchester City on February 25th. It'll be on uh, after Manchester United Chelsea on NBCSN. So big game of English football, uh, a big day of English football, obviously, on the ESPN networks. In more news in, in regards to soccer, this is an interesting one, is that uh, Ukraine has declined to broadcast matches uh, of the 2018 World Cup from Russia this summer. And uh, the quote is that the Russia 2018 World Cup will take place this year. We are not going to broadcast the World Cup. It's a huge multi-million dollar thing. The rights to broadcast were acquired even before 2013. It's a tough decision. Can we broadcast the World Cup in Moscow? No said the, uh, the head of the, uh, the local uh, news television company, or national television company in the Ukraine. So if you're living in Ukraine, I guess you'll have to either go to the matches or try to watch it some other ways. Yeah, so in other news, the, uh, and that's, uh, I think, perfectly understandable from Ukraine's perspective. They think it's Russian propaganda. So uh, just understand the political implications of that. Uh, the UPSL here in the United States, one of our um, adult soccer leagues that's sanctioned under USASA, has announced a partnership with my Cujo, uh, which is a Dutch uh, streaming provider. And uh, UPSL has over 130 teams. They have several right here in South Florida. Uh, UPSL now available uh, to streamed uh, online at my Cujo. In some uh, news, a study has been done recently that shows that 30 percent of fans now stream sports to their, t- uh, their phones and tablets. So in some ways, that, that's kind of a, a surprising number. 30% is, is, is quite large. Uh, I mean, 70% obviously are probably watching it on their television sets, um, but 30% are watching it on their phones and tablets. Now, for me personally, I'd much prefer to watch it on television, but most of my watching, I, I do personally, are on my desk com- desktop computer or laptop. But if I'm on the road or, you mean... Uh, in the back of a taxi or at an airport or something like that, then I'll, I'll usually uh, watch it on, on the phone. But for me personally, the phone's probably the last place I'll actually watch it. Um, but if I have to, I'll do it. What, what about you, Kartik? How, how do you watch your soccer? Almost exclusively on television. Uh, I have to get more in tune with, like, for example, I pay for Fubo uh, TV, but yet I'm not using it as much as I should, considering I've been a subscriber for three years, right? I'm <laughs> grandfathered in at the old rates so i i need to uh, i need to do that yep and one last piece of news uh, in re- in regards to soccer yeah so youtube tv has added all the turner networks uh, tbs tnt true tv uh, this is obviously uh, a relief to soccer fans uh, the aforementioned uefa champions league that we spent a lot of the the program today talking about it goes to the Turner Networks for th- for three seasons beginning uh, next year with uh, uh, at the start of the 2018-2019 uh, Champions League and Europa League uh, seasons. Yep, yep, definitely good news there yeah, for YouTube TV. Still, the the one thing they're missing though really is uh, the BN Sports. I mean, they have it's now available on Roku and Apple TV, but that's the big thing that's missing is BN Sports. If they can add that, that's going to make them uh, a, a strong competitor in the sports market, especially for soccer specifically. Now, TV ratings, Kartik, uh, some big numbers this past week. Uh, some of these numbers obviously helped by the Olympics. 
And when you have uh, shoulder programming, with you have you know, whether it's skiing or figure skating, whatever it may be, and then that leads right into a Premier League match. You're going to get a lot of people watching Premier League matches that probably have never watched it before. So some of the big numbers we got this week, 1.2 million people for the Manchester City against Leicester game on NBC and Universo. And this game is actually the, the highest rated Premier League game on NBC in over 12 months. So it just goes to show you how much of a bump uh, you can get uh, from the Olympics. But also, too, I mean, Man City's playing good football, as is Leicester, and uh, lots of goals in that one, too. So hopefully that everyone was entertained. Some of the other numbers, uh, 790,000 for Newcastle against Man United on NBCSN on Saturday. Uh, you also had 701,000 for Southampton against Liverpool on NBCSN also on Sunday. Uh, the big number from Monday was 605,000 people for Chelsea against West Brom on NBCSN. And that's one of the biggest numbers, I think, ever for a Monday kickoff on NBCSN. Um, so, yeah, some, some huge numbers there. Uh, Spurs against Arsenal was on CNBC on the Saturday, the early kickoff that had 327,000 viewers. And then you had Stoke against Brighton on CNBC, which is the 10 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. That one had 187,000 fans watching. And, and that number two, Kartik, oftentimes you, I mean, whether it's on social media or, or wherever, and you have some fans that are trying to hate on the, the Premier League and say, ah, nobody's going to watch a Stoke against Brighton game or you mean, Swansea against Sunderland. There's always kind of those exa examples and say, who's watching those games? Well, on a CNBC on a Saturday morning, there's a lot of other things going on. There's Olympics and, and uh, other matches. Well, going those on. people who hate on it tend to be MLS fans who are insecure. I, I, I've come to that conclusion. Yeah, but 187,000 people watching Stoke against Brighton. That's that's a pretty darn good number, especially with right, two right, right. Near, near the bottom of the league. That's what I'm saying. They tend to be MLS fans that are insecure about MLS's numbers. And one person told me uh, recently, oh, well, I don't know why anyone would watch Swansea versus Southampton when uh, you could watch Toronto FC versus New York City FC. Yeah, I, I think I was. There. I think I was there for that one because like they didn't know I was a Swansea fan, and, like, and, and the guy said like, "Yeah, who would want to watch Sunderland against Swansea?" And I'm like, "I would." <laughs> but even if you're not a Swansea fan, uh, I mean, in terms of the relegation battle, it is entertaining to watch. It is sometimes those matches aren't the most enthralling or entertaining, but there's so much on the line that you kind of, I mean, sometimes it's it's uh, just, I mean, depending on what happens NBC. in the match, it could be a fiery. NBC has built context around every um, every game, every match in this league, probably because the ratings were so low and that because of Soccer United marketing, whole other issue for another time. But they've been forced to take the MLS rights when their real goal with buying that rights package is to get men's and women's national team matches, U.S. men's and women's national team matches. They don't really build the context around every match. You're just these kind of random matches thrown on uh, without shoulder programming, without the kind of thing that will build context to get fans excited and, and understanding the relevance. So I have some sympathy for Major League Soccer and its supporters that way, but they always have to have this kind of insecure defense about uh, putting down everything else because they're so insecure about their own product and, and the, uh, the, the success or lack of success of their own product. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. Uh, the first up is uh, Christian Martinez, and he messages on Facebook, and he says, uh, check out this new soccer service called iGoal. It is a new service I found. So I did check it out. I went ahead and wrote a story on uh, worldsoccertalk.com uh, this week, uh, I think on Monday or Tuesday, and it's a new service. It's priced at uh, $9.99 a month, 
and it features Be In Sports, Be In Sports in Espanol, Be In Sports Connect, which is huge, and also Goal TV, Goal TV uh, Espanol, and uh, Eleven Sports, and a couple of like Central American and South American channels, as well as TYC Sports. So with that, I mean, with the price point, $9.99 a month, uh, it's definitely something worth checking out. I haven't had a chance to actually try it yet, but we've gotten a lot of feedback from um, uh, readers and listeners uh, to the website. And so far, it's, uh, it's definitely positive. The one thing it's missing is, is a DVR, but uh, iGoal seems to be focused more on the live sports angle. And for $9.99 a month, that is right now the cheapest uh, streaming service. So at the end of the day, I think for me personally, the more competition, the better. And it gives, uh, gives soccer fans more choice, really. Next up is Josh Dens, and he emailed us this feedback. He says, now that the USSF election is over, did US soccer really win here? When Sunil Galati announced that he was not going to run, most people said that no matter what candidate wins the election, US soccer will, will win. But is Codero really better than Galati? Personally, I think this was only the only situation we could be disappointed in. While I know fans are not as educated as we like to think we are, it seemed obvious that Martino and Ronaldo were the candidates people wanted. Do you want? Uh, do you have a positive feeling about the state of U.S. soccer's future now that the election is over? And as always, uh, guys, keep up the good work. Uh, love the pod. Kartik, uh, I mean, we, we've probably had a chance to kind of, th- well, you especially have had a chance to think about this one quite a bit. And, and what's your thoughts on this one? Well, it's, it's a work in progress, right? We have to give Cordero some time. Uh, there is panic in the reform circles thinking that he is an extension, uh, con- uh, continuation of Galati. However, I've written some pieces uh, at, at other sites other than the World Soccer Talk, uh, which uh, indicate in my mind that he might make some very subtle changes or, and also that his base of support were different than what had propped Galati up for years. So there were a number of delegates who, who, who had talked to, uh, to you and me and others on, on, uh, Friday and Saturday, basically saying, Hey, we, um, we, we don't want to be under the thumb of Major League Soccer. We think Cordero is independent and is also going to look out for the youth game in this country, but also look out for the finances. Now, the flip side of that is that they didn't want the kind of radical sea change and uh, structural change that would come from the likes of a Martino or Winalda. Now, we assume from Winalda, because Winalda has never really laid out how he would do things and what he would do. And it's very possible when all would have backed off if he'd become president, but Martino at least had put a, a pretty comprehensive plan out there uh, of the process and how he was going to handle things, uh, whether it was uh, just a campaign document or a serious policy document, we'll never know. But I, I think it might be okay. Give it time. Uh, are we going to see the kind of radical changes that people like you and me, Chris, and, and so many of our listeners want to see? No. But is it going to be as bad as the last few years have been as, as Sunil Galati has acted more uh, like an MLS employee than an actual uh, person governing the federation and governing everything that is encompassed under the umbrella of the U.S. Soccer Federation, which is uh, one of the largest, uh, other than the USOC, probably the largest nonprofit uh, operating sports in this country and and uh, overseeing and governing sports in this country. Is it, uh, it might even be bigger than the USOC. I don't know. I don't think it is. But um, uh, no, I don't think, I, I don't think we're going to see a guy in Cordero be as, um, as under the thumb of a for-profit professional closed league in Major League Soccer, 
that also is, is responsible for with soccer united marketing uh really kind of i think devaluing the national team rights you can read the story i wrote at world soccer talk uh on wednesday do i think that uh cordero is going to be as under the thumb of don garber and a for-profit league picking winners and losers in the world of professional soccer in the united states no i don't think he will be so uh it'll probably be an improvement not the change necessarily most of us wanted but uh certainly better than the status quo in my opinion yeah for me the, the way i look at it is that with kathy carter it would have been a step backwards uh with codero it's probably a step sideways uh with any of the, the, the candidates it would have been a step forward so at this point in time i'd rather have a step sideways and then see what happens and see um how he uh, acts in that position and give him an opportunity to to hopefully make the right decisions um, we'll have to wait and see. Lastly, uh, Nuke uh, sent in this tweet. He says, uh, if PSG gets knocked out, could there be a scenario where they could uh, have to sell Neymar due to uh, financial fair play? I don't know about FFP. I think it's very possible he gets sold anyway. I, I, I just don't think this has worked out the way that um, it had been hoped. He's, he's, he's very petulant. He's not... The team player, he, he – he, um, now, look, uh, we didn't talk about it in, in, in segment one, but uh, PSG, I thought, were the better team against Real Madrid. In the bits I watched, I was in, uh, in an office, but the television was on. I thought they, they their passing football was much better. I think they created, at least in the first uh, 60 to 65 minutes – far better chances, right? And we're unlucky it was 1-1 at that time. But the reality is this this is the question about cutting edge and um, mentality that, once again, Real Madrid is resourceful. There's a confidence in that side, and, and PSG doesn't have that, right? Mm-hmm. Neymar was supposed to provide that cutting edge yep. yeah. coming over from Barcelona. He did not provide it yesterday. He's going to be judged on these two legs, right, against Real Madrid. So uh, yep. I don't know if it's going to be FFP-related, Chris, but he, he might be gone in the summer. Yeah, I agree, Kartik. I think one of the things I saw in that PSG match against Real Madrid is just, I mean, for me personally, is that, uh, I mean, Neymar was going down too easily. I mean, there were so many times that he was down to the ground and kind of you mean, holding up his hands, like calling for a free kick, and the referee wasn't giving him any of that. And that's the thing, too, when you see... PSG playing in uh, Ligue 1 against some of these weaker teams and they're just I mean Neymar looks incredible but when you actually have a really tough physical game such as this one this is the types of games that you want to see him kind of rise above and do something incredible and I just didn't see it and and this has happened so many times with him personally he's a gifted player for sure but uh yeah, I, I don't think he's at that level uh, yet but there's always the second leg things can happen and he can create some magic perhaps all right, so listeners, if you do have any questions for us or any feedback or uh, any comments, feel free to send us an email. We'd love to read those out on air. Uh, email is web at worldsoccertalk.com. You can tweet us at worldsoccertalk or message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Now, Kartik, it's been a busy week for both you and I uh, with the USSF election. Actually, a busy few months, really, especially more so for you. And uh, things are heating up and, and with the soccer world and Champions League and everything happening, FA Cup this weekend too. We've got a lot to look forward to. But uh, for listeners who want to kind of catch up on your latest work or uh, uh, viewpoints or interviews, uh, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, uh, you find me at KKFLA737 on Twitter at worldsoccertalk.com, obviously with my articles. And also this week... Uh, couple articles I've written at socktakes.com, which our friend uh, Nupun Chopra, former uh, co-host of this or former host of this podcast in, in a 
previous incarnation uh, runs, helps to run co-runs. Uh, one piece was on how the athlete council arrived at Carlos Cordero's their choice after uh, thinking very actively about Kyle Martino and Steve Gantz, as well as Kathy Carter. And then another piece I wrote uh, got an immediate response from USL, which I'm proud of, which was uh, that there was a player addendum from one particular team in USL that had not been filed with the league that violated FIFA rules for player contracts. And uh, that story got the league to, to respond and, and null, uh, nullify those, those player addendums, which violated FIFA rules and, uh, and, to, and, and make the players uh, sign new player contracts uh, within 24 hours. So uh, two pieces over at SockTakes.com I'm pretty proud of. Also a piece of 55.1 on the U.S. soccer election. And of course, Kartik, too, your big piece on uh, willsoccertalk.com, talking about Carlos, uh, Carlos Cordero and uh, how in some ways he's going to be judged um, his reign as, as uh, USSF president by what he does with Soccer United Marketing and uh, how he works those, uh, those future TV deals. Yeah, I love that that over at the MLS Reddit, we had some folks that uh, just reacted to the headline and didn't actually read the article. So, uh, again, don't react to headlines when when I write things. Yeah, sometimes I, I, we put uh, headlines that attract attention on articles, but there's a lot of details in that article that uh, people who've read the article have now told me, hey, that's stuff we didn't know about Soccer United Marketing. We didn't know that, that Cordero or Garber that. So uh, check that out, worldsoccertalk.com. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, for me personally, like the headlines are actually the hardest part of the job. I mean, everything else comes naturally in the headline because you're trying to sum up so much in such a short amount of time with that headline. It's it's challenging. So uh, fair play to those uh, those great uh, headline writers out there. Uh, you know who you are. <laughs> All right. So thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the Will Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and WillSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and uh, be sure to give us a review on iTunes. And Kartik, what should they do? Enjoy your football. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 